0: Welcome to More Than a Mission, a podcast where we explore what it looks like to discern God's calling to live an active, intentional life of sharing the gospel. Each week, we talk about the way God is moving in our lives, around the world, and everywhere in between, as well as how God's call to missions may apply to your life. Ready to explore your calling? Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the More Than a Mission podcast. My name is Micah Torgerson, and I'm joined in recording with Zaya Henderson and Andrew Carlberg. We're going to get back to the long episode with the McKinnons. This is part two of our recording with them, and we'll pick up right where we left off. Hope you guys enjoy.
1: I'd love to hear, one, I would love for you all to share whatever the brief-ish version of Mason is, because I think it is a miraculous testimony that I think would be really cool for you guys to share. And then with that, specifically like ministry back here in general, I'd love for you guys to share just like the vision and like maybe the mission statement that you have in that. But specifically, I think one of like the most beautiful things that I have seen in walking life with you guys that is really different than any like other family I've ever seen is the way that you choose to like parent with a missional focus. And so I would love for you to share like story of Mason and then like what like mission statement and vision looks like for ministry in general, but particularly like in raising your kids.
2: Yeah. Let me start. Sure. Okay. When we came back from the mission field, we were in house church and there was another couple another family that had been on the mission field in Spain, our same mission agency. And we got connected with them and they rocked our worlds. Like they We thought
3: we were, we carried the crazy flag, but they were waving it a lot a lot higher and louder
2: this, this couple loves God's word so much. And it is that this is what they taught us. They were like, there's just things you don't need to pray about. Like God already said it. Like, do I need to pray about, should I help this widow? Yeah, no, you don't. Because God told you care (laughs) for the widow. Right. So there were so many things that, that, um, you know how like we've got that like Christian caution. Do you know what I mean? Where we're like, well, I don't, we're going to pray about it. We're going to see, like, it's like, if you read the word, the Lord is clear. So and if God, if God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, he's going to say the same thing that he already said in his word. So they pushed us in that way. And um, we were, so, so, I mean, we were just learning so much from them and they found out about an organization called safe families, which, cares for children of parents who are in crisis. Parents are in crisis and they, whether it's, they're going to be homeless, evicted, you know, surgery, they have no support network, no one to safely care for their children. They place their children with safe families. So like foster care, but the children haven't been removed. And our friends were like, well, this is, this is, this is an obvious yes. This is a place to step in. And so we were like, okay, then yes, this is an obvious place we're going to step in. And, um, we also had just been really like wanting to hear the Lord about children, like really believe the Lord that what he says about children, they're a blessing from him. Like, you know, just really wanting our hearts to break and understand, like, it's like, if God is knocking and he's like, I have this gift for you. And you're like, no, thanks. You know, seems inconvenient or expensive or whatever. We're like, okay, we hear you, Lord, children are a gift and, we want to be available and open to steward, whatever you hand our way. So our friends, um, got a placement. They got a baby. They didn't know a story. It was a Sunday night. Social workers showed up, um, and dropped this baby off with them. That's all they knew, nothing else. And, um, and it is a miraculous story that would take an hour to do it justice. So we're not going to do that, but here's what I'm going to say. They, They called us quickly and said, "This baby, this baby is basically, essentially, was left in the in the NICU. He was born severely drug addicted. He had he he had adopted parents who, um, when they heard the prognosis after his birth, it was so dire. He he coded twice. He um, he had to have all kinds of really intense." insane, um, intervention in his first week of life. When they heard, even in that first night, the prognosis of the doctors, they were out. They were like, Nope. Okay. So they walked by, right. Um, his, his birth birth mother did drugs while she was pregnant with him. Right. So that's like left him on the side of the road. You see where I'm going. And then, um, he was, that the birth family tried after he spent nine weeks in the NICU, they thought about trying to care for him and took him home for a few days and realized they couldn't, and so they placed him in safe families. And they, he, this little baby, wound up at our friend's house. They called us and said, "You should adopt this baby." And um, we, um, we really went to the Lord and prayed and. We didn't know, we had no paperwork. There was no other, um, way for us to know what the prognosis was. We knew it was serious. We knew he had spent time, you know, we knew he was drug addicted. We knew he had spent a lot of time in the NICU. We knew he had a lot of issues. And, and, and we were afraid, honestly. Um, we, we really um, battled with the Lord and, um, and had to just hand him, um, all of our, just all of our fears and all of our doubts and surrender that and then allow him just to fill us with, um, with his path, like with what he wanted from us. So I'm skipping a million miracles, but I'll tell you this one. We were leading a conference for people going to the mission field. And so we had designed this conference with our friends. There were
1: I don't know, 40
2: people, 35, 40 people there. They're all people who were like, I think I'm called to the mission field. And so we had a three-day conference about, you know, hearing God's voice and what's it mean, like logistics, everything from theological to logistics. And the whole time I've got this little baby in a front carrier on my chest. And we had decided that the Lord was like, okay, we're adopting this baby. And a lawyer was going to meet with birth parents who were gonna sign paperwork. And the lawyer was to come back and, and have us then sign the paperwork. He was gonna meet us at this conference. And, and I have
3: to say too, that at this point, there's still like, um, th- there, there's a step of faith that we, that we took here. And there was, uh, I'll be transparent and say, there was some, there was some um, uh, I was hesitant. Uh, I was anxious about this. This was a, this was a big step. And I don't know that I was quite ready for it, and 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 probably some fear.
2: Yeah, you know, it's like you're you know you're gonna jump off a cliff, and and it it should be okay, but you're like like hold your breath, and you're just kind of like okay, you just that's how that's the kind of more of the mindset we were in, and I'm like so I have got this baby on me, and people will be like oh is that your baby, and I'd be like yeah, yeah no I don't know I don't I don't know you're like I don't know what's happening. And so the lawyer was supposed to come meet with us that Friday night and he didn't show up. He didn't call, but the conference was like, the spirit was moving. Like we were so caught up in the spirit. I actually didn't even think about it. Went to sleep that night and got this sweet baby with me. And the next day we're doing this conference. And there was another couple that spoke in the morning about prayer and they're, they're just like, mm, they're, they're prayers. Right. And they said, when you pray, you move the hand of God. Like, let's believe that. Like, we were praying over the nations. And we're like, when you pray, you can move the hand of God. And so it just stuck with me. I was thinking about it all day. And so we went on facilitating. We had a break, like, at three o'clock. And I'm like, this is so weird. I haven't heard from the lawyer. All of a sudden, I get the call. And I'm like, hey, you know, I pick up the phone talking. Hey, this is where we are, blah, blah, blah. Here's the address. And he's like, slow down. It's like, listen, did the birth parents know that you had other children? And I was like, yes, why? And he said, they changed their mind. I have to come get the baby. And in that moment, like this.
3: The, the, you know, gently jumping off the cliff with a bunch of anxiety at first, the, the night before. At this moment, we were ready to jump off a thousand cliffs. Yeah, I it was like, matter.
2: this is my son. Yeah. This is my son. And, and this cannot happen. And they said, we are so sorry. I was like, you got to call them back. Like, we are so sorry, we cannot. And I was, I had my my oldest daughter, Madeline was nine at the time and she's with me. And I'm thinking, like, I am like sobbing and I'm thinking careful because I didn't want her to be mad at God, right? Like for my kids, they're already like, this is our baby brother. And I was thinking, like, I, I'm saying to her, we have prayed God's will for this baby and we have to trust him. But inside I am screaming, like I am yelling at the Lord. I'm like, what are you doing? This is my son. So, you know, Christian's like, praying. He's just on his knees praying. Just the three of us by ourselves. And so we just we we um we got a few of our friends were just praying. And
3: um and let me go back to an accident that happened probably a month prior. So when Mason was delivered to our friends, that they, the, the, they were you know just dropped him off at the doorstep and they're given paperwork and but but there was a piece of paper that was stuck in those files that wasn't meant to be it was the phone number of the of, of the biological parents
2: so we should have never had that number but we did and Christian got up while we were praying I didn't know it and he walked um, to a different part of the building and he decided to call the biological parents I didn't know that was happening I'm praying one of our friends came and heard us praying they could hear what we were saying and they went and got everyone in from break brought all these people who want to go to the mission field right bring them in from break, tell them, and they all drop to their knees and they're praying. I mean, they're just interceding for us. So in the midst of praying, someone came and got me and said, Christian needs you. So I go up to the room and Christian's just like flat on the ground, face down, just like crying, you know, praising God. He's like, he just kept saying, he's ours. Like I talked to them and he's ours. And then my phone rang and it was a lawyer and they're like, I don't know what happened, but they changed their mind. I'm coming with the paperwork. And, um, it was so awesome because we were able like from, it was like from a moment go, his life has been used to glorify God. We got to walk back into that room, the conference. And I mean, everyone's faces are like so sad. Like they're like, we're so, like, they're just so sad for us. They're so sorry. Right. And we were able to say like, listen, you prayed, right. And you moved the hand of God. And, um, the next morning there was like this impromptu service that just erupted around him. And, There were people anointing him with with oil, speaking health over him, like you know, really even prophesying over him being able to stand in a room, being prepared as a missionary to go one day, and Mm. and so, you know, like a month and a half later, it was official. Judge dropped the gavel, and he was a hundred percent ours. And um, what is so amazing about it is then, then, because he was ours, we had a right to see the medical paperwork we couldn't before that because of HIPAA and all these rules we start getting all this paperwork. We have missed neurological appointments, cardiologist appointments. The amount of problems this baby has are unbelievable. And so we just start going doctor after doctor after doctor. And they just keep saying, we don't see any of it. It's not here. There's no problems. I mean, just, just health over this child, which is completely amazing. So he is, I mean, he's just a, he's a miracle and he was a catalyst for our faith to be skyrocketed, like for us to really have to trust the Lord. And, um, and we just have watched his life be used by God and we just believe the Lord um, for him long-term in all things health, yeah. 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 So that's Mason's story. And um, I think-
3: It's a faith builder. Yes. You know, it's a testimony that we didn't write I mean, we were reluctant in some of it um, we were reluctant in the Mexico story at times, and the Lord was faithful and um, I think what 's neat about testimonies is they never they never get old, and they can actually become more powerful mm-hmm. um, i'm moved again just it 's been a while since we 've told those two stories, um,
1: but uh yeah for you you talk about the other one and just share christian i've heard you share it multiple times but just like how i mean robin you started to allude to the the passage that is just like marked mason's life where you are not the yeah yeah, Yeah. or or the innkeeper
3: yeah um so robin alluded to people walking by um i remember um the morning that, uh, you know, I, we, we were, we were, we were given this opportunity, uh, to adopt. Uh, and this was the very initial moment. Um, and we actually had communication with, with, uh, uh with the biological parents. This is back before any of the, the, the big story at the mission conference. And, um, well, I was really going back and forth. Um, I had traveled as, well back from europe the day before and i was jet lagged that didn't help now i remember trying to go to sleep um like in the middle of the morning because i was just exhausted and i the lord just wouldn't let me um sleep and so i woke up um set up in bed and i thought okay lord if you really want us to adopt um you're gonna have to give me a, a a life verse a chapter a passage something because you've done that with all the other kids, um, and uh, and 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 I can I can share those. But the one that and I looked at and all of those four, by the way, are all in the uh, in the Old Testament. Um, and I remember thinking, okay, well, it's it's going to be in the Old Testament. So I'm looking through and just trying to scour through and try to go to sleep again, and because I can't find anything, and, and then and then all of a sudden the Lord just wakes me up, and um, I kind of make fun of people that sometimes when they Read the, read the clock, and it says, hey, it's 777. Uh, uh, Actually, it's not possible on a clock, but I don't know 747. What. 747, that's it. 747. Oh, I must get on a plane uh, and be a missionary somewhere.
2: Yeah, don't do that, right?
3: Yeah, don't do that. And I remember, I've, like, I've advised people strongly not to do that. And I remember waking up, and it was on my birthday, so 1029. I'm thinking, okay, 1029, that's weird. I happened to open my Bible again, and it went to Luke 1029. And it's smack in the middle of the Good Samaritan story. And it's clear that Mason was um, the person in need on the road and people had passed around and uh, because they were busy or whatever, or were scared. And here I am. And the question was, are you going to also walk around? And, um, and, I, and then, then I started praying, okay, Lord, who am I in the story? Am I, am I the Good Samaritan? And to a degree, yes, I am the good, the good Samaritan in this story, but really the true Good Samaritan is Christ uh, because he is the one who sustained Mason's life. And, and the Lord gave me peace in that moment that I didn't know how long that Mason was going to be with us or ours, but I'm to be the innkeeper, the lowly innkeeper that has no lines in any of the story that's met by Christ, and Christ says, "I'm. I, I want you to take care of him. I, I'm. I'm giving you to him, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to provide any cost or, or pay for any cost that that, that may have been incurred in, in this in this transaction. The transaction was that we profited our fifth child,
1: mm-hmm.
3: and it's been an amazing story to see, and an amazing." Reminder of the power of that story,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. And I think so. To your second part of your question, a lot of that just informs how we live and then how we parent. So we have felt the call of the Lord to be keepers. So we do think our our home is in, and and absolutely, whoever the Lord wants to bring across our um our our door through our door, yes and to our table, yes, and that we're not to count the cost because, because there's a good Samaritan that's always there that's providing. Does that make sense? And as we think about raising children, um, our, our continuous heart posture over and over is, is that we want them to love the Lord, period. Um, we homeschool, and we have to say all the time, Heaven, not Harvard. Like that's the goal here. Yep. Like certainly, certainly there are skills that they need, but what we really want is for them to love Jesus, and so, and we want that to happen in an authentic, not forced, really, um, um, real way. And so, as uh, throughout throughout our parenting journey, what we have felt is the best the best thing we know about parenting we learned from Christ and the way that He operated with His disciples. It's just you take your children along with you on the journey and you let them see all the times you mess up. I mean, we apologize daily, at least, um, to our children in this home. But so you let them see how do you mess up? Where are you frustrated? Where do you need the Lord? Where, where is God shining big? Like what's, what's real and true about serving him? Like we just really seek to walk authentically our faith very imperfectly, but very honestly in front of our children. And then we just trust them to the Lord, but it is like swimming against the stream of culture, right? Where your kids are supposed to have like all of these, you know, pedigrees and everything lined up, right. Or they're supposed to dress a certain way and they need to act a certain way. And I mean, we have had times where we just get caught up in trying to manage behavior instead of just really focusing on the heart. And yet, we just watch God's faithfulness. Like he does miracles with our children, everything from like our one son is a musician. He used to like love to play like heavy metal, all heavy metal, heavy metal. And we're like, okay, you know what? We're going to take that to the Lord in prayer. God, if there's music, if, if there's something he's listening to or playing that you don't want to play, we're going to, then it's up to you. Like you deal with that. Um, and we're just going to let him know, like we love and support him for who he is. And, um, and the Lord answered that prayer, like in a really, really real way. Like he came to us, he came to us after the, um, the George, George Floyd tragedy. And he was like, I've been like, I've been thinking about, he, he's like deeply burdened in this issue of racial reconciliation. He's like, I've been thinking about this. I've been looking into some of these bands I listen to or some of the music. And I am just seeing that across the board, this is I don't just don't see representation. I don't see a heart for racial reconciliation. I don't even see like it, it's not even the bands, it's just the people even commenting. He's like, I cannot associate myself with it. I'm done. And all of a sudden, we've got this kid who's like super crazy now about jazz because he's understanding like its background, the history, the artists. So our house is filled with jazz all the time, mm-hmm. which is beautiful and and such a gift from the Lord. But we didn't have to do it, right? Like we just took it to the Lord. We're like, we don't want to control. We could have said, don't play that music or whatever, but we don't wanna control and manipulate because what's the point, right? Like if your heart's not there, then, then it's a foolishness. Um, it's just, any of us can pretend to be going along with something and our heart could be someplace else. But all that to say, um, God has been really faithful in leading us in raising up our children we are still in the midst of it. So it's not like we're like, here's the, there's no method. There's no tried and true method, except I think exactly what we're told, what God wants us to do is like walk humbly, right? Keep in step with the spirit and, um, and then just trust him.
3: Yeah, there's really a, a, a great missionary passage uh, to parents in Deuteronomy six. It's mm-hmm. very simple. Love the Lord your God with, with all your heart, all your soul all your strength, and all your mind. And uh, to love your neighbor as yourself. Right? We see that in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 6. And then it, and then it, and it gives, goes on further to say, hey, here's, here's how you should do that. It's basically talk about me all the time. When you sit down, when you eat, when you lie down, when you get up, when you're walking down the road, uh, tie, tie a banner that your door um, and so we see on the wall scripture, we have a chalkboard in one of our rooms where we see scripture um, and it's not perfect so, um, and trying to, trying to get that to be perfect. Um, you know, the, the, I, I'm, I'm tired of chasing that kind of Christian rat race. Uh, all, all we have to do is open, open the word and let the Holy Spirit out of the bag. And 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 sharing God's word and just simply reading and praying and, and being with your kids, um, they are our first ministry. Mm-hmm. And out of that, um, we, we see, you know, out of that, out of that tight circle, you know, with God in the center and Robin and I, and then our kids around that, that's a very tight circle. Um, and, and and out of that flows all kinds of ways that God can use our imperfect lives around. The table mm-hmm. in our house, wherever we go.
1: Yeah, I'll take a step back now. I only have one more question for you, but I know Zaya has a couple. We're uh, <laughs> we're going good on time, but I love y'all so much, and I listen to you all day. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> thought
3: this was going to be short.
1: <laughs> but yeah, Zaya, go for it.
0: Yes, yeah, so I do have a few questions. So I know you mentioned earlier how your time in Mexico was kind of like a training ground while we we're doing missions. So I'm Curious of what you've learned there that you applied to doing missions in the United States.
3: Yeah, that's good. I think Robin alluded, it, alluded first to it uh, earlier around um, projects and people, right? Um, we, you know, our, our United States uh, Western culture uh, is very driven by sort of a Northern European drive for, uh, for projects and achievement. And that has allowed us to be pretty successful and it has also allowed us to be pretty blind to some of the personal needs that people have um, To be empathetic and to really truly love your neighbor as yourself. It was one of the biggest things for me. I I, I wish I could show you um, My big plan that was multi pages uh, that I set out uh, for some of our ministry in Mexico. And the reason I can't show it to you is because I threw it away. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was a big project, right? And the moment that I realized this project's getting in the way of people and our relationships with people um, was the moment that we realized that that's ineffective. We just need to be people and love on them mm-hmm. and love on, love on the people around us. I think that's, that's been one of the biggest lessons for me personally and both of us.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think, too, the Mexican culture... Um, and, I, and I'm not sure how your guys' route will be changed or where you'll be, but um, whenever you're in, interacting with Latin Americans, I mean, you just, you just spend time. You're just time together. Like There's no like, you need to leave. You don't ever need to leave. You can stay as long as you want. And, um, and there's this investment in connection of people. And so we just came home hungry to want to live that, just to, to make people the priority and to not ever push people to the side because we've got the next to do. Now, sometimes we don't do it well, for sure, but it definitely was one of the big things that we think the Lord pressed on our hearts, that we should be ready, even if it's inconvenient, even if you're tired, right, um, to just welcome people. Yeah.
3: I would I would also say just um, you know there were there were several uh, other moments where we were you know the the Good Samaritan with people who were in need there like like homeless street kids that was that was uh, um, that was one where I really learned that this was this is not something you know a decision for Christ that you can put in the microwave and ding two minutes it's done and ready to go um, that oftentimes when the world has ravaged a soul that it's it's a slow cooker um, and it takes a long time Mm
0: -hmm. and
3: to be patient I think uh, and that kind of sort of parlays into another area of spiritual warfare I don't think I understood what spiritual warfare was when we left I'm still not sure that I understand it but it's clear that in Ephesians 6 there is such a thing and that we our, our battle isn't against flesh and blood, and we saw um, the enemy alive and well there um, Mexico has never um, you say this a lot when we're talking about mexico has never really experienced revival, never and um, and, and, and so the culture is it just really steeped with uh, the synchronization of culture and and um, and other rituals that really uh, can, can get people off, um, track with the Lord. And so that's, that's something that, that's real. Um, and so you think about that and you think, oh gosh, glad I don't live there. Glad we moved back. Um, but we have the same problems. We have the same kind of idols. They look different, um, but they, they serve the same purpose. And so, um, that's something that, that, that I, I learned along the way that, um, that, that this is, this is truly about, battle.
2: Yeah. And one last thing I'd say is I think we learned, and this works for us, other people might need totally different boundaries, but for us, we just figured out that life is like, it's all mushed together. Like we don't have like these hours are ministry hours and these hours are work hours and these hours are, you know, family time. Like it's just all mushed together. And so that works really well for us and it allows us to kind of thread ministry through everything, like, you know, intentional ministry, and to live really missionally. Obviously, doesn't, it's not going to work for everybody, but it did, it does work really well for us, and that's something we learned there.
3: Yeah.
0: Cool. Another question, if we have time for you to answer it, but I'm curious to see how church is different in this in Mm -hmm. Mexico than it was in the States. Mm. It's
2: a good question. Um, I'll jump on this one. So, I mean, church is really messy. I'm going to say messy. Um, There, it is not scripted and, you know, there's not a coffee bar and um, it doesn't necessarily end at one particular time. So it's, again, instead of more project focused, it's more people focused. Like here we know, like we've got, this is how long you have for each song and everything's kind of planned out at most churches, maybe not all. But um, there it's kind of like, well, what will the people need? And, and so if the people are going to need prayer for a long time, let's do prayer for a long time. Like there's like a real spirit leading, not that there's not spirit involvement in a more scripted church, but that is different. Um, and I mean, something we still battle with a lot is that they're just, there isn't a lot of emphasis on the building, um, that it's, you have a lot of house churches, or you have, like, pole barns, or you have, you know, under a tree, and the, um, the amount of kind of what we, what we expect as Americans in our building, in our kids programs, in our, you know, the things that we offer, it's, it is, um, the expectations are so high, and so, so much of our church leader's time is spent kind of on that administrative piece, right? Like being sure all things are orchestrated well, like, or is there fall decor on the stage? And like, just none of that mattered um, there because it couldn't matter. There just weren't the resources. And we loved that. I mean, that shaped us a lot and it has, um, and God works in big church though. Like, listen, I know it. God works in, in, the, the most beautiful mega church in America he does. but for us, that kind of raw just kind mm-hmm. of gritty, authentic church was just like spoke to us hard that really fit us. And so um, certainly the church we're worshiping in now is not um, is not necessarily like that, but there's still pieces of it that are like um, that are like that um, that we really like. So, yeah, so different. That's going to be exciting for you guys just to to be able to experience whether you're staying in the States and you're going to different places or overseas, just, you know, that it's overwhelming when you realize God is God everywhere. Like, oh my gosh, same God is here meeting with us that meets with me back home. It's amazing.
3: Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to take you to Africa really quickly here, but I remember going on a mission trip uh, a couple of years ago with Josh. And our, son. and our son Josh and Ethan um, in Mozambique, and I remember him saying, "These these guys don't need anything. I mean, there was no stage. There was none of the things that Rob just listed off. Like literally nothing. Like, we had these wooden benches, and I don't have any of these things, but they don't need it. Mm-hmm. They need none of it because they just have God.
2: Mm-hmm. Super cool."
0: I guess like one more question or one more question that we have or I have is what would be your like main advice giving to us or people that are looking into missions or about to pursue the world race?
2: Mm -hmm. So a few things, I said this once before, but like, if you're not doing it here, you're not going to magically transform into a missionary when you land somewhere. And so if you feel like the Lord is leading you, um, do it now. Like, Who's around you right now? Like your, your mission field is now. You're not like waiting to go on mission. You're on mission. And then when you, when you do, when the Lord does open a door for you to go someplace, decide in advance that you're just saying yes to God. Like, yes, Lord, whatever the question is that comes. Like, so if he's like, will you clean these toilets? Yes. I already said, yes, Lord. Will, will you get on stage and speak? Yes, Lord. Like whatever it is, you just decide in advance. You're going with your yes already said. And I would say, decide in advance to forgive that Tessie's like, I, on our mission please, like I just decide in advance, I, I like forgive before it happens, I've decided. That is huge because um, you want to remove any potential foothold that the enemy can have, right? So saying yes to the Lord in advance removes pride, it removes, like comparing your cup to the next person's cup, it, it just gets rid of all of it because you're already like, Lord, I want to be able to say yes to whatever question you put in front of me. And so it eliminates some of like, uh, some of like this internal jockeying and self-promoting or self-glorifying and you're just at the feet of the Lord, whatever you want, Lord. And then, so because so, how can the Lord get us? It's our own sin nature, Right. And then the other the other big thing is to 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 tear down the body, right? So I just heard this speaker the other day and she was so awesome. She's like, look, like I'm an eyelash, like I'm content to be an eyelash, right? I'm an eyelash, you be a foot, you, but be what you are. We are but we're one body and we're focusing on one goal, like we're we're to be of one mind, which is Christ glorified and him known. So how can he stop that? If he can if he can create division amongst believers, it's the fastest way to destroy testimony Mm -hmm. or to destroy um, uh, the gospel, right? Because if people look at us and they're like, that's how you live? Because that's how I already live without Christ. So what's the point? What's the difference? And so you walk in as what Christ calls us, right? We're to be ministers of reconciliation. You decide walking in that you're going to forgive and that you're going to have no part of like, you're not agreeing with Satan. You're just not. And so, but those are things you decide beforehand. Like we tell people this when we do pre- premarital counseling, you go in saying, I will never get divorced and we will never use the word divorce. Okay. That's important. Same thing. You go in saying, I will not agree with Satan. I'm not hopping on his team. I'm forgiving before it even happens. And yes, Lord, whatever you ask me to do, here I am. Like you send me, if you can settle some of that before you, before you go, I think that, um, because those moments will come, right? But then you catch yourself and you're like, I already, I already settled this and I'm, I'm sticking with what I said.
3: Yeah, I would say uh, boldness and courage. Um, and, and we have passages in scripture that, that I point to all the time. The boldness of the great commission, uh, notice it doesn't say like in the titles of our, of our Bibles, um, the, 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 great, the great suggestion. It's the great, it is the great commission. It is, it is we are commissioned to go do. And if we're commissioned to go do, then he must have enabled us uh, somehow, well, you read in the passage and he tells us that all power has been given to him and he gives us all the power that we need to be able to do the great commission. That's number one. Number two, um, be courageous. There's a guy in the Bible who wasn't very well known for that at first, but he did take some steps outside of a, out of a boat. And yes, he is ridiculed because of his faith, because he started to fall. You've got to take those steps. And the thing that, that, is, that, that I tell anybody who's thinking about being a missionary is, is, yes, Peter failed, but be like Peter, because what did he do? He didn't reach back to the boat. He was reaching out to, the, to, to grasp Jesus' hand. So take that step. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our good friends says, take the nesty plunge. That's an old commercial from the 1980s, really dating ourselves. Who says that? Paul Cox.
2: Oh, no, I didn't remember Yes.
3: That. Yeah, it's a Southern thing, I
2: think. Mm-hmm.
3: Anyway, he says, just take the plunge. Mm-hmm. Get on the diving board and take the plunge. And if you misstep, if you fall through, Jesus is going to be there. Mm-hmm. God simply got it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... That probably does it for our questions. I hit my last question. Um, I would just love to say thank y'all so much for the time and just the wisdom and being willing to share and being here. First time I'm gonna be doing an outro here because Micah's connections not doing the greatest. But I just want to say like I love y'all and for anybody listening, like I can attest as somebody who has like watched. <laughs> the McKinnons live this life that like these things they preach, like I can't tell you the number of times that I've heard in this household, like God's got this. And to just like simply not only like be willing to just simply say yes, to whatever the Lord calls, but like to actually look for it. I, when Micah was here last time, um, we were having a worship night over one of the, the girls who had been here from safe families. And like y'all had literally said, we're not taking in kids for a while. We need a break. And then like two days later, the story came across. And it was just like, the answer is yes. Like, we can't say no to this. Like, we have this command. And, and so I just think it is really beautiful to have, like, to hear you say all this. Uh, I've, like, also watched you guys live this out. And so it's really beautiful. I appreciate y'all and I love you so much. Mm-hmm. So, thanks for being here. Um, you definitely just set the record for the longest podcast by like four, <laughs> five <laughs> <ten> minutes. <laughs> uh, so, we'll have um, another quarter, no. is my guess. But to everyone listening, thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of More Than a Mission. And we will see you guys next time.
2: Thanks, you guys. Thanks.
1: We want
0: to thank you for listening to More Than a Mission. For more information and to keep up with our ministries, follow us on social media at More Than a Mission Podcast or email us directly at morethanamissionoutlook.com.